Hello folks and welcome back to Views from the 405, this is episode 7, 007, one might say, if we're being ambitious to get to treble figures. Yeah, indeed, I think we are. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> we're nothing if not ambitious. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm Kieran, a features editor at the 405. And I'm Rob, reviews editor at the 405. And we're Views from the 405, hey! Is and, that uh, supposed to be some kind of bit, is that like... Bill and Ben. I'm, I'm, I'm trying something new, and I don't think it lands. Dick and Dom, and we like the Dick and Dom of podcasts, music podcasts. That's what that reminded me of. Uh, I'd, pre- I'd prefer the Chuckle Brothers, personally. If we're going oh, for, we need Tashes if we're going to do that. But yeah, maybe we should go to me, to you, every time we think the other person should start talking. I could I could end really really tediously. <laughs> end tediously. It could start tediously. I, 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 well, I, I think it'd be fun for the start. Um, yeah, how have you been, Rob? Yeah, not bad. Uh, not been up to much, just listening to a lot of music. Uh, thinking about my end of year, of course. I mean, I, I think about my end of year list from day one of the year. But yeah. now is the, the business end of the year. So, But I'm already thinking about 2018 uh, albums as well, of which there have been quite a number uh, announced. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a sec. How have you been? I've been very well. Just I uh, come back refreshed from a stint in the Lake Districts. Some nice hiking, some nice cheap beer, and a f- you know fresh air. It really does does the the soul a world of good until they rediscover the Central Line. Uh, did you have any good soundtracks? Um, for some reason we were singing a lot of like film scores. So there's a lot of John Williams tossed out. There was a lot of uh, a lot of Hans Zimmer out there. But for some reason we didn't really stick to any pop fair enough well you know you are in a cinematic landscape there that's true maybe that's, that's true. got into you you know the land of wordsworth and also maybe that's something that you all share is movie soundtracks yeah 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 we, we have we have bo- we have bonded memories over watching lethal weapon at three in the morning oh wow but um well, well you know uh been have we been to many gigs recently have we? yeah well we went to mirrors last weekend was it last weekend or the weekend before last weekend Wow, time flies. It does fly. Uh, we, I was mostly there for Los Campesinos, and it seemed to me like the Los Campesinos Legion had come out in full force, and uh, everyone was singing along and moshing along. There was a huge mosh for Yumi dancing. Uh, did you get involved in the moshing? I didn't, know. Uh, I, I, I felt compelled to dance with my girlfriend, which I think is completely justified. How can you mosh with her? <laughs> Two-man mosh. Uh, that's true. That's very sexist of me to presume <laughs> that she couldn't wash. I will uh, rescind. But you, me, dancing is about dancing. That's true. So with you, with a girl or a, an attractive person. So, yeah. Well, you did the right thing. Um, so they played for an hour. We were, were both just saying that we wish they could have played more than an hour, but they packed in fourteen songs, I think, and it was a pretty much a perfect set list for an hour uh, of Los Campesinos. Um, and then the headliners came on, and I was a bit miffed beforehand why Pinegrave had been put above Los Campesinos on the bill. But then the the Pinegrave Mafia came out in, in force, and as big as a reaction I thought Los Campesinos got, Pinegrave probably got even bigger a reaction. Um, and it was amazing. I mean, I've been a skeptic about them. I liked them, but didn't love them. Uh, but after seeing them perform, I think I get it now. And it was nice to see how overwhelmed they were by the by the crowd reaction as well. Mm, yeah, I think I think maybe the key word for Pine Grove is a sense of communion. 
Yeah. Like there's a, a, the lyrics are obviously very relatable ones. They've got some really fun hooks, but there's the, the idea of like communality and unity that is just so embedded into not just their songs but the band themselves. Like they they preach what they well they they practice what they preach essentially. Um, yeah, it was really really good fun. After party was good as well. Oh yeah, uh, who 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 was at the after party? Um, well, it was it was shame. Oh yeah, uh, I just saw them recently as well. Who were really fun. Really? Yeah, oh, you, went, you didn't enjoy it. I thought they were pretty garbage. I was like, this lad rock. Is it too lad rock for you? No, I know. It was just like I was like Sebastian's first line. Oh. <laughs> like uh, they were clearly out of it, and they were they were quite exhibitionist about that. Oh, really? Um, I don't know. But maybe was other people were having a good time. Um, but the, like the DJ set and stuff after was good fun. Yeah, maybe maybe they got f- too full of themselves after that gig. Yeah. Uh, did he come out with his face covered in tinfoil? No, he didn't, no. Uh, but he, t- he took his top off eventually. Oh, yeah, he, t- he went layer by layer, yeah. song by song, taking another layer off when yeah. I saw them until he was naked. Did he do any crowd surfing? It's quite low yeah, ceiling it, there it, at Moth Club. He, he tried. He tried. He, he, he tried. Did, he did a lot of crowd surfing at Scala. Yeah. Uh, Scarlet's a good place for that, though. Yeah, so, exactly. Scarlet's just a great venue. Generally. Anyway, Pine Grove. Yes. Um, we were standing behind the singer. What's the singer's name? Evan. Evan or Ethan. We were standing behind his mother, who was in the crowd. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she pushed She pushed in front of a couple of my friends, and they were really annoyed. And she was like, that's my boy. And uh, he uh, thanked her for being there later in the show. And when they played new songs, she was like, this is from the next album. Um, so, yeah. Uh, very impressive though, and a nice show, and um, a nice a nice segue. Well, yes. Well, just to say that also they've announced they're coming back to London, playing Shepherd's Bush, supported by Phoebe Bridges in March. Great, great lineup. Yeah, uh, but they put out a new song called Intrepid, and um, you didn't you? They haven't announced an album yet, but it will be announced soon. I've been told. So, 2018 Pine Grove LP two. Uh, some other newly announced albums for 2018. Um, no huge names yet, but a lot that I'm very intrigued by, including US Girls, mm. Porches. No Age, I'm no looking age. forward to. I'm, I'm interested to see where they go now, No Age. Yeah. Did you listen to the new track? Uh, I haven't, actually. Oh, it's no. good. Uh, so frustratingly, they're now on Drag City, which means people won't be able to hear their album on Spotify. Mm. Uh, I thought they'd be a sub-pop band forever, but... Um, anyway, another band who's changed labels is Ort, who have moved to Merge for their third album, which is called Room in the World, which I'm really excited for. Did you hear the new track by Ort? Yep, I definitely did. What did you think? Yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, I liked the melody to it. And yeah. they're, they're still with the, the languorous uh, direction. Yeah, uh, they I, kind I, of toned down the feedback a lot, made mm. it a bit new wavy. It's yeah. quite interesting. Yeah. They are quite talking headsy, like yeah. later talking heads. It's not. It's, it's more like the, I wonder if like maybe they've refined the production standards a bit. Yeah, probably, or just changed them. Uh, in the press release, they said their inspirations were like Brian Eno soundscapes and uh, the Mekons and stuff like that. It's that's quite it. interesting. That's it. Oh, um, yeah. And Franz Ferdinand, how do you feel about a new Franz Ferdinand album? Does um, it fill you with any excitement? Okay, so Franz Ferdinand, obviously a Glasgow band. Yeah. First album, just. A, a decadence of bangers. All killer, no filler. Yeah. Second album, some there were some really, really good tracks on that. Yeah. Um. There was a lot of filler there as well. Yeah. Last two albums weren't great. 
a lot of like mid not great mid noughties bands like Block Party have followed the same. Uh, I think Block Party have got worse, much worse than France Ferdinand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, fr- the, fr- the, the, the last France Ferdinand album, when, when was that, 2013 maybe? I can't even remember. Like, there, was some, there was some actually quite good stuff in that. They, they, they added some trumpets, some brass sections, some synth stuff, which doesn't always work, but it did for them. Um, like, they, they, they were quite a, a seminal band, and my response when people said Fratellis, I always used to say Franz Ferdinand which growing up as an indie kid in Glasgow in the, in the noughties was quite a significant argument. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel about a new album? Did you hear the new single? I've not I've not heard it yet. Always Ascending, the title track from the new album. It was, oh, it's alright. It's oh. quite a banger. It's quite catchy. That's what, uh, that's what, that's what they deliver. So but, uh, we'll see. Yeah, but uh, looking forward to it. No Age is a, is a big one, I'm quite yeah. sure. There's not any huge names on there mm. but we'll wait and see yeah and re- I re- well all the all the PRs are just finishing up their Q1 2018 stuff soon so I reckon the next few weeks until the start of December right, we could get quite a few big announcements yeah and also but they're also finishing up promoting their artists for end of the year album lists mm. they need to remind everyone to vote or, yeah, or write about their albums. As we said, uh, Los Campesinos said, uh, consider their new album Six Scenes for you for the uh, other other interesting albums of the year part of your list or whatever he said. What did he say? Other yeah, albums the, the, the the other albums to uh, to to respect, add it to your addendum, which is which is the classic yeah. self deprecating, the honourable mentions. of your end of 2017 list let's get into a few more albums that have come out recently let's go for it where do you want to start let's start with saint vincent because we talked that up last time and uh we have, i reviewed the album you went to see her live so we've got quite a lot to say so mass seduction uh her fifth album as saint vincent six if you count the one she did with david byrne um definitely her most uh, electronic sheen kind of a straightforward pop album to date the two singles that came out beforehand Los Angeles and New York were really big anthemic songs two of the best songs I think she's done mm. and I think probably the two best songs on this album uh, the only ones that kind of come close are Happy Birthday Johnny which is this really nice mm. elegiac middle song that comes after Los Angeles which kind of revisits Prince Johnny from her self-titled album a few years ago um and then there's a lot of really fun songs. I gave it an eight out of ten in my review. You would have given it higher, is that right? Yeah, I. Well, I've gone back, back in it now. My the first few weeks, I was like album of the year contender, on it. I still think it's a great album, but I'd probably go eight point five, maybe nine. Um, well, I my favorite song is slow disco, but because I think it's a perfectly executed, quite stunning ballad and i think a lot of this the stronger deep cuts on this record are the ballads like you say yeah. happy birthday johnny, happy birthday, johnny yeah. um you know the, the, like the probably her vocals have always been her most underrated uh yeah. quality i think maybe yeah um because everyone always talks about how awesome she is a guitar yeah and the guitar on this album um 
is produced in a way where it doesn't necessarily sound like guitar. It's used quite sparingly. It's not the main the main instrument. It mm. kind of comes in. It's really good at the places it does come in, like at the end of Los Angeles and also on Mass Seduction, the title track. It just kind of scythes through the mix. It's really good. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I kind of miss some of the more shredding she used to do. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, I'll have to say, seeing her live, I just, I didn't appreciate just how fucking good at guitar she was until yeah. I saw her live, and she is very, very good. Yeah. Um. Obviously, as if you're listening to this, you probably are a bit of a music nerd, so you probably heard about how divisive her live show was. Um. Curiously, I seem to be one of the few people who fell in the middle, who wasn't blown away at by it and found it to be groundbreaking and I didn't think it was according to one review the biggest the mo- biggest disappointment of their adult life which yeah. was quite a claim um, I, I, I there was obviously there wasn't a band which was intended to portray artifice and um, I guess disconnection or dissociation um, and it worked to an extent on some songs and some on mass seduction, it worked quite well. On songs like Sugar Boy and Saviour and New York especially, I thought it was surprisingly effective in New York considering which it wasn't exactly. She was standing there. Um, but when she, for the first, so the, the structure of the the gig was, the first half was just like a, almost like a chronological hit greatest hits up and in, leading into mass seduction. The second half was all of mass seduction uh, played sequentially, and it that that was really interesting, and it was still really satisfying, especially for to see her play the guitar so well. Um, but I do feel some of the songs were underwhelming by virtue of, I guess, projection. What we, what myself and uh, apparently loads of others hoped there would be a big band for. The, the bangers yeah. um, for the, the the classics from um, Strange Mercy and uh, the, like other classics, um, but I think it's quite it's quite an, it was quite an interesting debate around that, um, yeah. especially since it seemed to be quite a gendered argument. Interesting. Um, now there's 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 so much to dive into it, and we don't we don't want to waste uh, too much time no. into it. But it's um, just surprising to me because I saw her a few times on the first few albums. I haven't seen her in a long time now but she always used to play with a band and it was really amazing so it's kind of disappointing that she's not playing with a band anymore mm. but anyway Mass Seduction uh, overall thumbs up yeah, big thumbs up I think on reflection it might not be better than her self-titled which is still my favourite Strange Mercy is my favourite Yeah, I might like this more than self-titled but I really? do like self-titled as well mm. I think there's a few dud tracks on here I like it Fear the Future I'm surprised she's named her tour after that because I mm. think that song is very plain Yeah, Young Lover is okay and those two come back to back which is kind of frustrating but yeah Smoking Section is another ballad which is really good yeah. to end the thing uh, in my review I talked about how it's very Hollywoodified and like poking fun at these kind of uh, people trying to be glitzy and glamorous and it is quite fun in that way very sardonic in many places especially the song pills which is uh, <laughs> yeah. all about taking pills for pills to fuck pills to eat 
uh, pills, pills, pills for your family. <laughs> and when it, uh, it's just like a jingle, it's really catchy. Um, so I can see that song getting an annoying to some people. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's, al- it's already some people saying it's like an anomaly on the album. It's being hideously self-indulgent, etc. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen that. I think it fits on the album. I think it's quite good. I I think it works. I mean, th- there's so much in the album that just feels from seriousness to like ad- sardonic. Yeah, like quite at ease as like all of our work has always done. So I don't yeah. see how it's anomalous. Yeah, just compare Los Angeles and New York. Los Angeles is so sardonic about mm. you know it's called Los Angeles. It's about how people in Los Angeles like get so much plastic surgery and whatever they don't age. They have to stay young. They have to stay attractive. Whereas New York is like a really heartfelt um, paying to a lost friend or someone who used to make New York such a special place who's just not around anymore, and it's really touching. Mm. Uh, even though she does say things like you only, you're the only motherfucker in the city who can handle me which is a bit which is great actually it just sounds so genuine mm. you know like these two badass people who just tore up the city together oh, I also read that line as like almost like um, a defiant insecurity in a way just like you know um, like her desperation her insecurities laid laid bare and this is her last reprieve her last projection of yeah. of, of like um of strength and badassery um against the the, the emotional absence i don't know yeah um well she is a badass she is but she is a badass that's that if you have one takeaway from this it's a reaffirmation of saint Vincent and, and annie clark as a badass <laughs> indeed <My> seduction <laughs> Next, what do you want to do? You pick. Uh, let's go. Let's go into a bit of King Crow. The O's. The O's. Uh, have you listened to this much? I've listened to it quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember when it came out and I let it give it the first time. Uh, I heard it. I was like quite enamoured with it. I was taken with the idea of walking around London at night listening to it. Yeah. Um, it's a very, it's, it's unapologetically a London album, and yes. even more specifically a South London South album. South London album. I love that within the first verse he references still dreams of being a young Franco Zola or yeah. John Franco Zola. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that just made me love it instantly the first yeah. time I heard it. Uh, even though I'm not a Chelsea fan, but I don't know, it's just so true and diehard uh, South London thing to think of or say. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you say, it's a, it's perfect for walking around London because to me it is like a, a a long night of walking around London. It plays out like a a trip around Archie Marshall's kind of ends and uh, whether that's going up on rooftops when he, in like the cadet leaps or um, just going I don't know into all kinds of seedy places, uh, Bermondsey Bottom and places like that. Um, and he's. He's, it's like a real jazz, it's like a real opus it's 67 minutes and there's lots of jazz elements in it I don't know how you, you can't pigeonhole this in a genre can you no I mean uh, the, the Pitchfork I can't remember who wrote the Pitchfork review but it was it was quite good on it um, there's you know it's trip hop it's jazz yeah. it's it's post punk it's yeah. it's whatever it wants to be it's very um, evasive um, and I, I think it works uh, as long as you you don't 
you're not too bogged down in categorizing. Yeah. Um, like I reread the Jazz Monroe pitchfork piece on in the profile, mm. and he talks about how, uh, you know, the typical bands of the mid two thousands indie boom, like the Strokes and and Franz Ferdinand and bands like that. Definitely, he was listening to, and you can hear that in there in the guitar and yeah. a little bit. But then it's just washed over and produced in such interesting and fascinating ways with lots of ambience and texture and fuzz and and brass and stuff like that. And he he takes a lot of risks with uh, his production. He does a lot of improvising. I read also in that piece they mention he mentions how some he found a video of a guy playing sax under a bridge on YouTube in London, and uh, he just sent him a message yet saying come down and jam with me. And I think that guy plays sax on most of the album now. Uh, so you know just stuff like that. He just finds the most random kind of influences and and. Uh, it's you can tell throughout the album just how much is in it you know yeah and i like, i think there's a lot in that title that ooze as well yeah like, um i guess sort of the destitution and murkiness of south london in particular yeah. and how that's just infected his music infected his life yeah and it can be a good thing and that's informed his art it's inspired him to create art but yeah. at the same time it's really affecting his mental health it's making him really dejected yeah really cynical um it's also such a great word the ooze yeah, yeah. i can't remember there was a, it wasn't just like there was a there was a specific um article where he took it from but i can't remember what oh yeah they mentioned that in um the pitchfork piece as yeah. well but he was talking about how the ooze is like all the excrement from your body not just piss yeah. and shit and whatever but also like nails and hair and yeah. skin and stuff like that that's all the ooze and uh yeah i don't know it's a really human album as well mm. um there's heartbreak in it his dad is on it uh singing in half man half shark um which is a really fun kind of upbeat jam mm. compared to some of the other. there's a lot of slower songs like check one and yeah. uh cadet leaps and stuff like that uh some very bluesy kind of amorphous tracks that just kind of spread out like a moon glistening in a pool kind of thing yeah it's just a really stunning album and lots of like london imagery i think that's why it's connected to me so much is because of how london it is like his london accent is unapologetic and uh images like bus won't let me on so i have to stroll uh (laughs) getting up on the rooftops the jan franco zola one that i mentioned what else i can't remember now but lots of stuff um it's just a, it's just a really fun album, I, and also I didn't realize he um, spent a month or something with Earl Sweatshirt just getting high and making beats. <laughs> uh, they talk about that in um, in the the oh he's playing Coco on the twenty second and the twenty first. Oh yeah. That's probably doubly sold out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you if you can go to that, you should. Yeah, if you've got a ticket, I'm very jealous. And, and let, us, let us know how it was. Yeah, I'm going to try and go to that, except I think I have gigs both of those nights. <laughs> Typical. Um, but I'd be very intrigued to see how he does these songs live. Yeah. If he would be tempted to like go through the whole album in full, because it is kind of written as a, this sprawling piece that's probably meant to be listened to from front to back. Mm. Um yeah, there's there's one or two songs that you could pick out as the quote unquote radio song or yeah. single, like Dumb Surfer, Dumb Surfer or is one. Check One. Or, yeah, um, uh, well, Check One was kind of an odd choice for mm. a, a lead single. It's very moody. It is probably more uh, 
representative of the yeah. majority of the album where it's dumb surface this upbeat kind of almost surfy track with a very big splashy drums um and very chant along like zombie chorus and then the amazing like scronking sax at the end yeah um and then yeah half man half shark he also released which is quite catchy and upbeat but i would say the majority of the album is quite slow and morose and pensive uh, a lot of uh a lot of time spent thinking thinking all this it's very a thoughtful album I sound those I sound those so yeah recommend The Ooze by King Cruel above and beyond all the rooftops the space cadet walls through the sky Lost in the search for distant forms of Lucifer's dream. What's next? We move on to the a bit of a surprise release, Fever Ray's Plunge. Yeah, like I, I didn't think she was ever going to release another Fever Ray album. She, at least that's what Karen Dreyer's um, intention was eight years ago after she released her self-titled album as Fever Ray. Um, but then To The Moon and Back came out. Well, no, first she dropped a couple of uh, teaser videos. Yeah. Which were weird and exciting. And then To The Moon and Back came out, the single, which was amazing. This kind of really Caribbean sounding or South American sounding mm. electronic, really uh, erratic. and It's, and it's nearly a breakbeat. And yeah, so it's just super fun. And then... A week later, they were like, yeah, the album's coming out tomorrow, at yeah. least digitally. So that was a lovely surprise. And so now we have it, Fever Ray, Plunge, her second album. Yeah. If you don't know, Fever Ray is Karen Dreyer, one half of The Knife with her brother. Uh, so you can never rely on, on The Knife coming back. They always say it's going to be their last album every time they do an album. So, uh, so it's just, I guess it's nice when they do that and then they just show up and put out something surprising like this. Yeah, and that means we don't have to wait. Yeah, so Fever Ray's Plunge, what do you make of it? I think it's brilliant. I think it's fantastic. Um, so, like, lyrically, it's superb. Because, and it's a radical change from both The Knife and her first album. Because The Knife has always been like quietly political and quite abstract. And then her first her first album was a lot to do with insecurity and motherhood and whether to be that motherhood and the idea of familial connection and the importance of familial connection and this one is just a fuck album yeah. it's just entirely about sex specifically queer sex as well yeah um which i think is it's so good um just the, the some of the lines in it and it's just and and i can't remember what these the technical term for the her voice uh, there was a reason. It's very distinctive. I can't remember what is. Um, I'm, I'm sure you can you can look it up. Um, but the the way her voice manipulates the lyrics so that it's just as brilliantly piercing as possible is so good. And some of the production here is class as well. Yeah. Um, it's very as you say, it's very Caribbean sound. Um, in in line with the electro techno quavers that they've the knife have always put in. If it, even this one might be more jagged more razor than before as well and wh i think what impresses me about it so much is how every track is quite distinctive but they all fit into quite in a, a mealering hole and there are 
there was a there was an arc to the record where it starts quite questioning and quite unsure before it moves to a an assertion of an affirmation of love as this conjoining unifying force. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. What do you think? Yeah, well, I I listened to the Fever Ray album, first album again after having listened to Plunge a bunch, and uh, yeah, it is quite a stark difference between them. The um, Fever Ray is very morose, and yeah, as you said, she was dealing with new motherhood, and she was she almost like sleepwalking through that album in a way. It's very zony and and slower tempo, so it's exciting to come into this one straight away with uh, "Wanna Sip," and it's just like this er- like razor sharp uh, electronics just slashing away, and she's like uh, like almost yelping her lyrics away, and but they're really well as you said really well enunciated in a way to make the the words really have full force and then yeah as you said there's kind of two halves to the album uh the title track is like a a, an instrumental that's in the middle which you love i think it's the weakest track on the album but you absolutely love it i think it's just it's just a reckless dirge it's just it's like a quickie in in a in a bush or something like that it's just and so i inferred it as the the sonic replication of sex uh, yeah. just add another other thing adding to it i think others other stuff has comes in under that similar vein is i idk about you yeah um which is also like red trails is kind of like that as well i don't know about you it's like this really upbeat uh skittering stomping uh track almost footwork uh, where she's just really bouncy and is completely unlike anything we've heard from karen dryer before she's like excited and yeah. very innocent sounding like naive sounding when she's like i don't know about you uh about a new prospective partner in her life or something like that yeah um gabriel played uh, like a pen by the knife at hmt on saturday night this uh, club night that i went to and it sounded amazing but it did sound kind of a, like it still sounds good but it sounds very of its time and then i listened to silent shout when i got home and then immediately listen to Plunge afterwards. And it's crazy how much more modern like Plunge sounds than this seminal album they put out, what was it, 2006? Five. So five or six, but just over 10 years ago, how much electronic music has moved on and how much they've managed to keep up uh, uh, and almost innovate and push it forwards in many ways. Like This is a pop album. It has hooks. Every song has a hook, pretty much. and But it's not like radio friendly pop i mean uh, to the moon and back might get some radio play i don't know on like six music or something mm. but then songs like this country which i think is like the centerpiece of the album is a very slow uh, you used the word dirgy before i think this is a bit dirgy and mm. she, like yelps the line this country makes it hard to fuck over and over again <laughs> which is absolutely amazing it sounds so good uh red trails is like the one kind of outlier it reminds me of uh keep the streets empty for me from the first album as it's like all strings and much less electronics and slower and ballady and um quite honest and raw and then it ends with mama's hand which is like this really skippy kind of very lighthousey track it's very it's just very slick and cool and it's just like i don't know it's it's She's amazing. I'm so enamored with her again. Every time the knife or Fever Ray puts out something, I, f- I forget. I mean, I remember how much I love them and how amazing I think they are. And I can't wait for the live tour of this album because 
Fever Ray when she toured her self-titled in 2010 or whatever, 2009. It was like, incredible. I saw The Knife a few years later and that was really good, but it wasn't as good as Fever Ray solo. So I'm hoping she'll bring out just as good a show this time around. Uh, she's rumored to be playing Field Day uh, next year, you said. Yeah, yeah. The Not that we know where Field Day is going to be. No. But the rum- rumors of her and Forte, and there was a vet, there was a leak that had uh, Neil Young lyrics on it, but it could also have been Chromatics lyrics. Chromatics, yeah. So Chromatics, Fevery, and Forte at the same one day festival would be quite good. Yeah, but they'd probably put them all at the same time. <sighs> they would, wouldn't they? Yeah, uh, it all depends where it is as well. Mm. Um, if that means that the new Chromatics album is finally going to come out, then I'm over the moon. But we'll wait and see. Hopefully they'll just drop it like Fever Ray did. Yeah, oh, that'd be so good. It's, no, quite, that, uh, it's quite nice, would have, uh, like, because the physical release of Fever Ray isn't coming out till February. So if they just announced it last week and said it's coming out in February, it'd be torture. I'd be like, oh, we've got to the moon and back. This amazing song. I want to hear the other ten songs, but no, they just put it out there. More bands should just do that. Yeah, and that's the takeaway for Plunge. Plunge. Put your bands music. release it immediately. Yeah, put your music out as soon as it's ready. Lovers got love in the love fist Every time we fuck we win This house makes it hard to fuck Okay, sweet. And uh, next up we have Julian Baker, Turn Out The Lights. Yeah, so we've both written about this. You wrote the review, I, I spoke to Julianne. Um, her second, we've been talking. I think we've mentioned Julianne Baker on every episode. Yeah, she's probably only second to Kendrick and Lord and mentions yeah. interviews from the four or five. As the, as she's like the uh, the way like Guardians Football Weekly mentions Ryan Babel every episode. We <laughs> mention Julianne Baker. Yeah, so yeah. I hope, but uh, by comparison, I imagine Julianne Baker might have more relevancy to modern music than Ryan Babel has to modern football. Wow. Interesting. That's my that's that is my hot take for the evening. And good night, folks. <laughs> and why do you think that? Why do you think Julian Baker is relevant? Uh, well, I guess we've we've talked about it a lot. Um, she her her lyrics are deceptively simple. They're quite prosaic, prosaic. Um, don't not particularly complex. But what what they are, they just somehow almost inexplicably to your core I guess um, they just you just intuitively relate to what she's saying because it's almost this this bareness this sarcity that's quite impressive so with this album Turn Out The Lights she's this is her first album proper for Matador um, she recorded it in Memphis um, it's, it's still mostly just her and guitar sometimes her and piano but the production quality is higher in a way that makes it more pristine and mm. less seems less diaristic in a way even mm. though the lyrics are still very personal and yeah l- like she said that when i spoke to her that the lyrics are an appointment so basically taken straight out of a conversation she had with a friend so it does have that kind of atmosphere of of being very personal in a monologues um but she does get poetic as well on songs like Televangelist, where she makes a metaphor between her being like up on stage, like a televangelist, like preaching her soul, but is it worth it if if 
it seems like she's hurting herself mm. kind of thing. Yeah, and happy to be here. That's the Ellie compares herself to a circuit board, doesn't she? Yeah. A brain to a circuit board. Exactly. Um, so, like, quite good metaphors, easy to understand ones, mm. but also very vivid. Um, what's your favourite song? Do you have a favourite song? Um, I might be happy to be here, actually. Yeah. Or Appointments. Really? Appointments is amazing. My favourite is Even. It's like a very simple yeah. acoustic guitar song. It could also be, almost be like a... That's, it's probably the one that sounds most like, as if it came from her debut, Sprained Ankle. It's most reminiscent of that, I think. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then the piano songs add mm. a different element to it. They're very ballady and I think they are the songs where she shows off her voice the best. Mm, yeah. Televangelist is one, Claws in Your Back is another... Uh, turn out the lights. The title track mm. is quite a stunner. Yeah, um, I, I feel closing your back might grow on me as to be the best song in the album eventually. Yeah, I think there's there's a it's quite it's it's probably the most unabashed in its instrumentation. Yeah, but I, I feel and but and the the preceding weeks and months it will. Quite move me sufficiently, where I'd have to properly fall for it. Yeah, she does yeah. quite a lot of good melodramatic endings, where she just like screeches out her voice. Screech sounds like it's off off key, but it's not. But she's obviously been raised in emo bands and seen mm. emo bands, and she's got that ability to kind of really forcefully project her voice, um, not just make it loud, but also make it like powerful. I don't know how to describe mm, it. Something that yeah. you would need if you were singing over like heavy riffs or something like that, but she doesn't s make heavy riffs, but she still uses that voice in a really powerful way. And she can do it live as well. I remember what, listening to this album now, every time I hear everything that helps you sleep in the end bit, is that the one that ends with why not me? Isn't that sore breath? Maybe. The one where she ends up why not me just really powerfully. I remember that from seeing her live. And yeah. then, yeah, just hearing it on the album, it's brought back that memory of such a powerful kind of performance. She's so into her performances when she does it as well. I can just picture her perfectly in the studio recording this, just like in her own world kind of doing it. Because the only way you could put in a performance this powerful is to just be fully committed. And um, she is, like, lyrically, she's she's not afraid to hide anything emotionally and, and um, singing. She's just going for it all yeah. the time so and it is, is it's quite hard to like explain just how profound it feels because you hear cliches about honesty and intimacy all the time just directed at anyone who who writes about a broken relationship but it it it's such an inauthentic use of the word but honest feels like a, a genuine descriptor here that actually works that's actually authentic um, it's such a bare naked the phrase I use in my review is not just skeletal it's bone marrow it's so open so bare and you just you just like implant yourself into it you just invite yourself into it and it's, it's yeah listening to it in a sort of quiet contained environment can be quite quite feels um, yeah it's 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 a stunning record I give it a nine it's easily it's it's a pretty safe bet for my top ten this year. Yeah. Do you think it will stay with you the way that Sprained Ankle did? I don't know. I don't know about that. Cause it's always the first cut is the deepest, yeah, as they say. That's true. That is true. Yeah. I, I'd, but I probably wouldn't, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah.
what do you think that is? Because it's just the first time you hear it, something like that, that's what's going to stick with you? Or is it the songs or is it the production? Or It's probably different factors with that. But I can just I just remember like the f- the first time I heard something, and then when I went into the record and heard heard like sprained ankle and everything goes and stuff like that, and it was it you know that just floored me and it's, it's grown on me since. So I think this, as masterful as this is and as emotionally compelling as it is, um, I think it, sprained ankle is like a, a special with a capital S record for me. Well, what what do you think? I was never as enamoured with sprained ankle as most people. Um, actually, getting more into Turn Out the Lights has made me want to go back to sprained ankle again and listen to it more. Um, so, I don't know. For me, I like Turn Out the Lights more. It sounds more accomplished. Uh, the songs are a bit more varied because she's going piano and guitar and using a lot more kind of double tracking her vocals, a lot more am- atmospheric production and things like that. It's quite interesting. I I do admire the kind of simplicity of, of Sprain Ankle and I will go back and listen to it more now that I, I don't know, I feel like I got a better idea of what she's going for on Turn Out the Lights mm. and now I can go back to Sprain Ankle and, and hear it again with new ears in a way. So I will do that. So. Yeah, great stuff. Well, yeah. uh, go go listen to Turn Out the Lights. Go read my review and Rob's interview. Yeah, she uh, talks a lot. She's great. She yeah. has a lot to say. She's she's so eloquent. That, that that piece where she chats about how cathartic running is was yeah. almost as relatable as her as her lyrics. Yeah. Um, yeah. up we're going to do another one that you reviewed james holden and the animal spirits the animal spirits yeah which is quite if you know james holden from his previous releases most notably 2013 album the inheritors which was kind of a i don't know techno electronic yeah. album this one has gone in a different direction well maybe not necessarily completely different but he's assembled a band and he's made like a space jazz kind of freeform album yeah uh, there's the I think there's the the type of the chanting and the refrains and the repetition and everything I think I read was inspired by I think it's Naha um, North African music um, but he, he's got quite a few good interviews about how reluctant uh, he was to be thrown into the world music crowd and everything um, it's more just he's applied some of those rhythms and structures to the collective whole of the songs Um He's a really interesting. There's got Fact Magazine have a really good uh, interview with him, which I'd highly recommend you read. I adore this record. It's it just it's bursting with life and ideas and invention. Um, it goes it goes in directions you just don't expect, but you always feel comfortable with where it's going. Um, you never feel it's going to transgress or bore you. Um, you know, it, as modulators are overturned by um, light, light percussion and chanting and um, some veering saxophone, uh, it can be apocalyptic, it can be delicately gorgeous. It can be sort of 
play, plainly techno as it is and each moment like the first and the beginning and end of the world and then you have the end of days of Thundermoon gathering which um, he said is the best song he's ever made I yeah I I, th- I think it is just in terms of the sheer anarchy it reigns um it's it's it's, it's stuff that it's it, the 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 line the crude line I use in the review is like Godspeed you blanket emperor hire Kamasi Washington and James Holden to do the more technical bits um I I think it's brilliant uh purely because it's the opposite of boring um there's so much to unpack and enjoy from it I'm going to be listening to it collectively for months if not years what do you think I do like it i haven't listened to it as much as you maybe because it hasn't grabbed me as much as it has you i think the inheritors was a really weird unusual idiosyncratic album i think this one there are other albums that sound have a similar kind of ethos and ideas uh, i really do love each song on the album but i think they all kind of follow a similar trajectory of starting with like simple synths and drums and then slowly building into this torrent of of like crazy drums and sax and more synths and uh, maybe some flutes and stuff thrown in and it is it's really thrilling every time maybe i haven't done enough close listening to really ind- pick out which individual tracks do certain things but altogether it, it kind of it comes together pretty well it's very uh, vibrant album and certainly exciting as you said and i i would really like to see them perform live because i think that that might really bring to life the differences between the the structures of the madness that all these songs build up into uh, rather than just kind of seeming like different versions of the same idea to me i don't know maybe i'm being a bit harsh on it but as i said i would like to see him live uh, with the band yeah I, th- I think that i think that's a fair comment um i just i just loved what he did within that like refinement i think they had to adopt that structure because all the band brought in he encouraged them to improvise and experiment so that they didn't have any they didn't have any sheet music or anything they were just told to retain that tempo retain yeah. that 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 melody and go wild within that format um so i guess on unless it was just utter anarchy that was just musicless i think they had to ad- adapt within that framework and i th- i think it works but i can see i can see why it might be not be as uh as compelling um and as varied as yeah you you might like yeah um, there's the one track each moment like the first apparently was recorded the version they've used on the album is the first ever recording of it when they were kind of just feeling it out and then they tried to re-record it many times and they never felt the same again so they just used the first version and i don't know if that affects the way i hear it but i just think that sounds that song sounds more visceral more has more energy to it than any of the others which have been probably recorded and re-recorded multiple times mm. i don't know if it's just because i know that they did that that i'm hearing that mm. if it's changed my mentality or if i can actually hear a difference it's one of those things i wish i could split into another reality where i hadn't found that out and see if i felt the same way probably not that is a brilliant song that is one of the best songs on the record yeah so uh, and what do you make of the album cover uh I really like it. I'm not entirely sure what it's supposed to represent. So it's like a, a bit, an old gnarly tree in the forest, yeah. and one of the low branches is slung with like streamers of confetti, like low streamers of confetti. I, I like I like the colorizing of it. Yeah, 
Um, and there are a lot of tracks about go gladly into the earth and uh, the beginning and the end of the world and it's a lot of like elemental things mm. yeah is it uh, druids yeah and it's called the animal spirits so yeah. it is kind of connected to nature and the world and the earth and things like that it has big ambitions on things and i think it, they just wanted to really evoke that idea of improvisation and connectedness between the musicians and the space so i think it is a really interesting album and as i said i would love love to see this live especially if they try to reproduce any of the inheritors tracks as the band as well oh that that would be sick because this is only 49 minutes of music mm. they could just jam out for much longer yeah. or they could try and do an inheritors track well, we'll, we'll find out yeah. i guess we'll find out next month hopefully <laughs> And last up from the the big selection, we have converged the duskiness. Yeah, which you haven't listened to. I've yet, not. I've not listened which to. Which I yet. condemn you for because this album is so brutally amazing. Um, I haven't been following Converge for that long. I got into um, the last album, All We Love, we Leave Behind, a little bit, um, and then when they brought out Eve uh, with. I can tell you about pain this year. I listened to those two songs like 15 minutes uh, together, a mini EP, and it was absolutely incredible. And then I got excited for the dusk in us, and it did not disappoint. Um, this is a thing my taste has kind of been building up to for a long time with my love of Deaf Heaven and things like that. Converge make more hardcore, post hardcore, as in they're not as interested in the, like Deaf Heaven are big, interested in the big, like, um, picturesque kind of uh, riffs and moments of, of instrumental beauty whereas Converge more about pulverizing and showing off their musicality and their their tightness and their breakneck kind of uh, just how quickly they can turn on a dime and then they do go into these moments of beauty and there are some catchy uh, moments and hooks uh, Jacob ba uh, is it Jacob Bannon? Yeah Jacob Bannon is his voice is just so versatile in the way he can absolutely scream his throat out, but then he can also sing or he can chant. And um, I don't know. I just really want everyone to listen to this album. But if it is, if you are um, wary of loud riffs, very, very pounding drums, very fast paced riffs and, and um, songs that, just blast your ears out and a lot of screaming then i would stay away from it but if you're into hearing four guys who are absolutely incredible musicians just absolutely go at it uh through plenty of different uh, like songs that just absolutely rock and roll to put it to put it basically uh check it out the dusk in us by verge convert converge i i speak for our listeners when i say i will good Survival. Get 
and there's been a bunch of other albums that have come out recently that deserve a mention, like John Mouse's Screen Memories, which I absolutely love. Have you listened to that? I have, yeah. That's good. That's yeah, very that's good. good. Uh, Destroyers, Ken, which I do like quite a bit. Do you yeah. like it? I love yeah, Poison um, Season. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it's a scratch in Poison Season, no, but it's still worthy. Still, yeah. still with some interesting stuff on there. Jesse Ware's third album, Glass House, is really, really good. Very good, very good. Saw some stuff that is maybe her best so far. Yeah. Uh, I've only listened to it once, oh, really? so I'll have to. I'll have to revisit. I'd say it's definitely got a bunch of her best songs. Mm. I don't know if it's her best consistently, but yeah, mm. just one of the best. Uh, pop performers in Britain mm. right now. What, what definitely one of the best vocalists as well. Yeah. She's she's remarkable. Yeah. Um, getting in and a bit of a bit of a dance a dance drag. Now we have uh, Blowan as uh, new EP. Yeah. Which what is the EP? Called? Oh, is it nutrition. Nutrition EP. Yeah. Which what? is absolutely slamming. Yeah. You've been listening to it a lot. Yeah. Listen, I've been I've been spending a lot. It's absolutely it's monstrous. Uh, it's fairly fairly standard Blowan, just pulverizing. Uh, end of days techno, um, very very well produced. Um, has a has like a very Michael run in with it as well. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, and uh, no, I mean, yeah, it's just really good. Yeah. And also on the techno tip, uh, Helena House new EP. Have you been there? Have you seen it? Yeah. Which I also reviewed. It's definitely not as slamming or as dark or end of days as Blowin. It's a lot more intricate. Um focused on percussion and melody not as much bass definitely not as thudding uh we saw her at Printworks a few weeks ago and her her she was the first dj we saw that mm. day and she absolutely took no prisoners no. In, her, in her dj set just absolutely um i mean the place was shaking yeah it was a whole is it the print works is like a factory a literal factory, but it, it was it was rocking when uh, uh, yeah. Helena was pounding away. Yeah, really good. She just she also just came top in Crack Magazine's fifty best DJs of twenty seventeen. She wow. got she got number one. Well, there you go. And yeah. we just got to see her. Yeah, just a it's, few weeks ago. Yeah, she has a great new EP. Uh, yeah. That day was pretty good. Do you want to mention anyone else we saw that day? Uh, yeah, so we we saw Bicep. This was great. the D, uh, Ninja Tune. Yeah. took over Printworks for the day, which is like a huge. X Factory in Surrey Keys, which has now become a club, state of the art club, and yeah, Bicep, they kind of stole the show. Yeah, they 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 were they were superb. I mean, it was quite good because they played a lot of like um, deeper, more expansive uh, techno. It wasn't as housey. There was no like real four by four beats outside of their um, album cuts, which they played, which sounded incredible, especially um, Rain and Glue and Aura. I mean, it just reminded me how brilliant that album actually is. Like, I've revisited a lot, and it's just so clean and well produced. Um, I think that's going to appear up quite high in my own, uh, end of your list. Um, and they, they, and it was also quite funny just the the number of Irish people there as well. It was like a pilgrimage who yeah. had come to see, come from Belfast to see their boys. Legendary. That's how. That's the kind of pride they inspire within their countrymen. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. And um, also some mode selector who just dealt in the an- nihilistic German techno we yeah. expected, then, apart from one moment of sentimentality. Yeah, when they played Born Slippy by Underworld, which seems like such a cliche choice, but it, it sounded good at the yeah. time. Yeah, it was, it was, it was surreal, but it, it worked. Everyone had a good time. Um, it was a brilliant venue as well. Yeah, like, Friendworks is incredible. If you can go to any of the shows, there there's quite a number coming up yeah. that are really good. 
I would highly recommend it. Yeah, it's been, yep. And we, we got balcony upgrade, which yeah. cost 30 quid, but because yeah. you were on the guest list. Yeah. That's that pretty sweet. Get a guest list if you can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> that, just to say, you listen to the new Helena House. Yeah, which is also great. Have you been there? Have you seen it? And the last thing that's come out that we wanted to mention was um, Yeji's EP2. Mm. Have you listened to this? I have. What I really think? like it. Yeah, Yeji. This it's really Korean, fun. Korean-American house pop singer really made put a new EP of the five really bassy, dancey tracks mm. singing in both Korean and English covering Drake. Uh, just really, really fun. It's something like 18 minutes long. Mm. And, um She's could be pretty big. I yeah, I reckon. I reckon twi- she'll be one of like the picks to make a big impact. Twenty eighteen, if she it's brings out an album. She's yeah. had two EPs this year. She's quite productive. I wouldn't be surprised if she does. Mm. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe yeah. maybe at Printworks next year. And she's doing the weirdest three day world tour. She's doing like uh, Paris, LA, and Seoul. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> it's just interesting. That's scenic. Yeji EP2. Yeah. Mother Russia in my cup and my glasses fogging up. Oh yeah, hey dog, hey what's up? Oh yeah, hey dog, hey what's up? When the sweaty walls are banging, I don't fuck with family planning. Make it rain, girl, make it rain. 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 Um, so we have two quick articles to go over that we're big fans of. Yeah. Um, the first one, I believe it was Sunday that was the twenty, uh, the tenth anniversary of Bedio's Untrue. Yes. Which so this functions as both a look back at an article and a retrospective on Burial's Untrue. Mm. We're kind of combining two into one. So yeah, ten years since Untrue. Uh, and we wanted to mention Simon Reynolds' piece. For well, a lot of pieces have come out about it. A lot of people just singing the praises of Burial's second LP, his last LP, maybe. He's, I mean, he's released a lot of tracks in the last 10 years, but not mm. an album, yeah. like Untrue. Um, but the one article we wanted to highlight is Simon Reynolds' piece for Pitchfork saying why Burial's Untrue is the most important electronic album of the century so far. Uh, and it's a really beautifully written piece that made me go back to the album a lot. Um, I mean, what you were thinking about writing a piece like this? What do you feel about Untrue? Um, I I think it's is it's a strange one because I never really related to it until I moved to London, and since I moved to London, it's taken on a whole new level of pertinence. Yeah. Um, it it nails the feelings of anonymity without saying anything. It nails the feelings of isolation, of quiet coolness and everything and it is for all the the justified plaudits for songs like archangel i do feel uh, was it mcdonald's at 2 a.m or yeah. um i feel like they just that title alone just that there's as in mcdonald's yeah, yeah. supplants so much so much meaning um i it, it's it's obviously from a, a jungle slash bass perspective it's a masterclass in production and and yeah. the way that they're the the now oh, it seems uh, anachronistic to talk about how the way he scrunches vocals yeah. and the way he does, but that was really quite innovative of his time, um, and it still works so well. Yeah, um, that's the amazing thing about Untrue and why Simon Reynolds has kind of highlighted it as the most important as an electronic album because it really it pays homage to 
a lot of jungle and wonky music from the 90s that came before it that he grew up listening to and it also predicted a lot of the future mm. album like songs that it still sounds amazing today um still sounds i mean gabriel played archangel from uh untrue on saturday night and it sounded fantastic on the mm. dance floor even today 10 years on uh whereas i said the knife still sounded good but maybe it sounded very of its time whereas archangel then um i want to mention more about simon reynolds piece because it's written it's very long but he's done a really really good job of um he he's done a lot of research and digging into burials past or just listening to this tracks and picking out things and um I didn't realize this, but he'd actually done a lot of interviews around the time of Untrue, mm. which he has not done since. He's a very reclusive guy. Um, and Simon Reynolds has been through and picked out a bunch of really interesting, illuminating quotes from Burial about the album from all these different um, interviews. One that uh, struck me was uh, he's, Burial said that his uh, his songs are about wanting an angel watching over you when there's nowhere to go and all you can do is sit late night in mcdonald's and as you as you said there's the track in mcdonald's yeah. and you get that but there's like even the, the track titles are very evocative um like uh dog shelter and uh well um ghost hardware um and there's just so much detail in the tracks like there's like shell casings dropping in near dark and there's like this crinkly kind of static on tracks like ghost hardware um and how can we and uh, i want to talk about how in simon reynolds piece he ties it in he talks about hauntology which is like kind of making these songs that sound like haunt they're haunted it's like an art kind of i don't know you need to read the piece another quote from the simon reynolds article where dance music is generally about abandon about abandon burials music is about abandonment which is quite interesting i like that I like and i'll say it's like burials antennae are turned into the frequencies and pain emanating from the metropolis because as you said it is a very london album and mm. when you come to london as we were talking about this with king cruel and uh, they have a certain similarity in their kind of grayness, uh, their washed outness, their, mm. the sounds of the street. They sound like they're coming from the, a pavement late at night in in South London. Um, yeah, I just think Burial really, on Untrue, he really transformed that into sound somehow. He used to drive around South London listening to the tracks and uh, hoping that they would have some kind of distance, is what he said. Uh, and uh, I don't know, it worked for him, obviously, because he put out an absolute masterpiece in Untrue. Yeah, I don't think I have much more to add to that other than if you've not listened to Untrue, do. Yeah, and I uh, just want to shout out to Noisy, who ranked all of Burial's tracks, uh, included from Untrue, before Untrue, after Untrue. There's only like 50 in total, yeah. but they, <laughs> they ranked them all with Archangel number one. Uh, from this album, uh, you said you would have Rival Dealer. I think that's my favorite battle song. I yeah. think Kindred would be my number one. Kindred's a good choice. Yeah, interesting how we've both chosen tracks after Untrue, mm. whereas Untrue is like the definition of his sound. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. until he brings out another album, if that ever happens. <sighs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine that that release before the end of the year? Too too much. That would be too much.
Uh, the, 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 the next and the last piece we have to talk about is uh, Mitski, who was one released one of my favourite albums of last year on Puberty 2. Uh, oh, she's done a few pieces now for Talkhouse, and this was her uh, sort half like half a review, a partial review of the new Weasel album. Um, it's pretty. I mean, it's written gorgeously. More um, kind of just like an appreciation of Rivers mm. Cuomo as a songwriter at this point in his life, now that he's middle-aged. She talks a lot about how songwriting, is, about, especially pop songwriting, is about capturing the feeling of youth and excitement. It's really well-educated essay. Like, she doesn't cite mm. anything, but it seems like she's thought about this a lot, read a lot around it. Mm. Um, and she talks about how now that Rivers is in middle age and he's comfortable, he doesn't have those things necessarily to to rely on to mm. write songs. So he, he finds other ways to write songs. And she mentions the song Exploder with Rivers, which I haven't listened to, but he apparently goes into the way that he writes songs. And it sounds quite interesting. He has a whole spreadsheet full of uh, quite uh, full of potential lyrics that he kind of just fits together, organizes them by syllables or stuff like that, which is quite interesting. Um, have you listened to the new Weezer album at all? Uh, I've not, no. no <laughs> I've not heard great things. So. No, me neither. Um, but I think it's interesting he- hearing from our side of it almost directly from a songwriter comparison. And she's, she talk, discusses how that approach to songwriting informs her own. Um, how, she, how she has her own insecurities and uncertainties about her own style of songwriting and how so much of her work, as you can hear as a listener, is... Um, illustrated by her experiences as a young person, as uh, you know, her encounters with sexuality, with romance, um, with racism, and how that's like how that's um, edified her. Um, but what happens when she's she has a staple income? What happens when she might have a young, young family? Um, where does she go from there? Um, it's a really well written, quite quite um, quietly poignant piece. Um, I I highly recommend it. We'll link to it and uh, have a have a read. Yeah, very thoughtful. Yeah. Last last thing, uh, non music piece. Um, AOB. Um So uh, we we've both read this book, The Lesser Be Humans by Emma McBride. Um, I read her other book, uh, A Girl Is a Half Formed Thing, um, which was one of my favorite books of last year, and this might be my favorite novel of this year. Yeah, you were reading it, um, The Lesser Bohemians, when we went to end of the road and it kind of i saw it i think i read a little bit of it and it sounded really interesting so i just picked it up when i saw it at the airport recently and uh yeah i read it and i texted you and i was like this book is incredible um we should talk about it a little bit so mm. what is it for you that makes it your favorite book of the year um i th- well i guess it's a corporate answer but it's everything so she has a stream of consciousness style prose, yeah. um, aping some Faulkner or some Joyce, Joyce yeah. um, 
but it's very distinctive and of our own. Like yeah. it's it's not just it's not as necessarily as crude as Joyce. Um, like there there are, she'll go from a very abrupt, very basic vocabulary into lines and even paragraphs that are just this glorious poetry. Like some of the best writing I think I've ever read in terms of its um, its style, in terms of aesthetic. Um, and the ca- the characterization, the v- the vividness of it is stunning. Um, like the the imagery, the storytelling, the 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 romance at the heart of it is really quite powerful and quite realized and really moving. Um, I think she's just an incredible. It's just a me- she's both an incredible storyteller and an incredible aesthete in her literature, which you rarely rarely get. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I it. It took me a couple of pages to get into her style of writing, but once I did, I was just like so in love with it. I just reading it stream of conscious as she wrote it. You can just, if you just follow her wavelength, you get entirely what she's talking about. Even though maybe it's a bit jumbled on the page, like she doesn't separate the speakers, she doesn't put any quotation marks. Um, so sometimes you can get a bit lost within a, a conversation, but I think that also kind of helps the realism of it. Like a real conversation does overlap and does get a bit jumbled and stuff. Um, I also found it really interesting how she didn't reveal the name of the main male in it until very late in the book, seemingly for no particular reason, although I saw there was a reason. And then they started using it all the time. And a couple of other characters she did that with as well. Um, I also think she does an interesting thing where sometimes the text is smaller when it's like an internal thought of our protagonist, mm. like a, like a shame, like a quiet little mousy thought, like the text gets a little bit smaller, which is also another mm. interesting way of uh, kind of projecting how it should be heard or what the idea is supposed to hold. Uh, I also found it just a really enjoyable book for me because um, this is, it's about a student coming to first year uni in London and the places she's going are all around Chalk Farm and Kentish Town which is where I was during my uni years and even though she is there in 1994 in the book she's still going to like the Fiddler's Elbow which I lived right by for a year a couple of years actually and she's going down Malden Road and all these places where I used to frequent so it's kind of interesting uh, to relive through this novel those years um, I don't want to say too much about the actual story because it is a very kind of unpredictable. It didn't go the way I think it was. I no. thought it was going to go at all. Um, and even if we tried to describe it, it's not that it's complicated. It's just that we would oversimplify it and mm. not do it justice. So yeah, please, please buy it. It's it's no, we're coming to the end of it. It probably will be my favorite novel of twenty twenty seventeen. Yeah, The Lesser Bohemians by Amar McBride. What else are you reading, by the way? Uh, right now, I'm reading The End of the Fair by Graham Greene. Oh, nice. Uh, it's really, really good, actually. It's actually not too dissimilar from uh, The Lesser of Bohemians and that dives into the, the cynical complexity of romance yeah. and all the the you know, the seeming difficulty of monogamy and the, the, the overlapping of faith and love and uh, that... That those those sorts of upbeat things. Yeah. Um, what about you? I'm reading the Bloody Chamber by Angela Carter. Oh, how's that? Her um, collection of short fairy tales or stories based on fairy like with fairy tale tropes. It's quite interesting. Uh, 
It's all set in Italy. I'm not really sure why. But she uses a lot of like classic characters like Puss in Boots, who mm. I thought was invented by Shrek, but apparently has been in fairy tale lore for a very long time. <laughs> uh, and I haven't got there yet, but the last so- story in the book is called Wolf Alice. Ah, so, not a boys, but that, that's where they got the name yeah, from. That's yeah, that's what I realized when I saw that. So maybe this will make me into a Wolf Alice fan now I read the Gen- Genesis story. Well, I think that's I think that's everything from uh, views from the four or five. We kept it short this week just for you, listener. Yeah, and because we're about to go to Japanese Japanese breakfast at the dome. Yes, which I'm sure we'll waffle all about next time. Yeah. So, uh, well, next time we're going to be talking about albums of the year. But will we? Will we? Will be. So we, should we do a show about underrated and then another show about the albums? I, I like that idea actually. I, we could do all the other stuff and then just do one on our top tens. <sighs> wow. Well, we'll have to discuss this off air. Yeah. yeah. But you're already, your minds are already reeling. This yeah. Is about what's to come from views from the four or five. I bet, and you're loving it. Yeah. Um. Well, you can you can find me on Twitter at no not that Devlin D E V L I N. And I'm temporaryism on Twitter. And uh, oh, I'm Rob Hack on Instagram. Let's follow people on Instagram now. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. I'm displaced Scotsman. Yeah. You can uh, look at my pictures and my stories from gigs. Yeah, if uh, you if follow you. us, I mean, this isn't going to be up within the next 24 hours, so you're not going to see anything from Japanese breakfast. But whatever. Yeah, enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah, bye. Bye.